Welcome to Satisfied, where our aim is to behold the glory of God. I'm Nick Jackson, pastor of Timberline Baptist Church in Lacey, Washington. <laughs> this Did you is forget my, your line? I, no, I didn't. You just you said Lacey, Washington, with just is different. I was um, emphasizing. <laughs> this is Bobby Gaither, pastor of Hope Fellowship in Hillsborough, Oregon. <laughs> It's just not as cool when you do it. It isn't. It isn't. Hey, in this week's episode, we are going to be talking about preaching. Yes. Preaching. And this isn't just for preachers. This is going to be, man, uh, we're, we're going to look at what is preaching. We're going to look at uh, preaching books and why everybody should read preaching books. And we're going to look at some other things. Uh, we we actually got together. We're doing several podcasts today. We're, we're kind of recording them. Uh, we live about 140 miles apart, Bobby and I do. And somehow he makes it so I always come and visit him, just putting that's, that that's out there. Not, that's not how it was supposed to work out this it, time. Yeah, but that's how it keeps working out. <laughs> so I've come down to see him. We've done a couple episodes, and, and now we've done lunch. And we've never, we've never done this many on, on one day. We've never eaten lunch and then <laughs> done this. So if we press pause and take a nap halfway through, it's because we ate a very large burrito from Chipotle. Oh man, Chipotle was good too. Was I good. feel like I, I feel like the wisdom <laughs> is going to be wanting <laughs> in this episode. Hey, Bobby, let me ask you. So we're talking about preaching. Yeah, uh, you preach. Yes, <laughs> confidently. Uh, when did you know that you were going to be a pastor and, and preach? Like, when was that? You didn't know I was going to ask that, No, did I you? didn't. I didn't. Um, uh, well, when I knew I was going to be a pastor and when I knew I was going to be a preacher were two different things. Okay. Uh, for, for me, uh, I understood that God was calling me to ministry, and I finally accepted it. Um, Kind of late, late in my college career, um, but I didn't know when or how that would come come to be. Um, and through a course of events, I became a worship pastor, and um, and by worship I mean specifically music, right? Um, in in Newburgh, and I was there for a few years, and I realized this this isn't the end for which I was created. Yeah, uh, this this is not the end of ministry. This isn't where I'm gonna you know, finish out my, my life in ministry, it's not going to be in music, which was baffling to me. Um, and then I was given the opportunity to preach. And just the process of studying the Word mm. every day for that week, you know, or, the, or a couple of weeks leading up to it, was just so life-giving. It was just That's awesome. It just it filled me in, in a way. Um, what I say now is my soul sings when I preach more than my soul ever sang when I was singing. Hmm. You know, it, it's it's a different... That's good, it, yeah. It, it, it just... It, it fills my soul more, more so. Um, and, and not to detract or take anything away from, I think, the ministry that I was doing or other folks who are shepherding through music. You know, I think that's, that's a legitimate means of shepherding and pastoring people as you're teaching them theology through song. Um, but uh, for me, yeah, it was a few years um, into my stint, so to speak, as a worship pastor. But even then, it took several years 
both for me to feel like God was and had prepared me and is still preparing me and for it to be the right time, the time for that to actually come into fruition. Um, okay. So there's a lot of development that happened and that's still happening even now. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to kick it right back to you. When, when did you know? How did you know? What, what, what happened? When did preaching become something that you're passionate about? Yeah, well, I like how you kind of set that apart. Like you went into ministry, you were in an area where you were not preaching, and then uh, God kind of pulled you into a different direction. And I guess that's a little like where I was. I, I, I went into the ministry as a youth pastor. I loved working with youth, and I thought I was always going to work with youth. And I love teaching, though. And we grew in our in our knowledge of God's word a lot as a youth group. And I was teaching. I, mean, I was I was I was preaching to them. I don't know that I thought of it as preaching at that moment, but I was preaching to them. And we, I mean, we would have 30, 40 minute lessons, and we grew into that. And it worked really well. We were where we were. We had a lot of students going to the go into ministry. It was pretty exciting. But then. God began to change my heart from working primarily with students to seeing the need with adults. Mm. And especially if I love students, reaching their, uh, reaching their parents was, was so essential to, the, um, to really reaching the students um, uh, for a lifelong discipleship in Christ. So I, I guess that's how that changed um, from my call to youth ministry into senior uh, pastorate. Now I have to say, I was I was terrible. <laughs> no, like, like I, I was bad in the beginning. I remember I went to my went to my pastor, and I said, "Hey, are there any good books on preaching?" Which he said, "No, they don't write many books on those." Oh man! And you know, I mean, it was my first place. I I didn't realize that he was wrong. Yeah. And so I just took it like, oh, okay. There's not a lot of books on preaching. And, you know, I, I, I kind of look back on those days going, how did I at least not figure out something better? Yeah. But it was bad. Like, I just feel sorry. Yeah. Really, really yeah. sorry for the people who were in those church, who was in that church, who listened to me. In fact, I remember I went to seminary and I took a preaching class. And I got out of that preaching class and I preached a, I preached a sermon. And I had this lady came up to me and she goes, I'm so glad you took that class. <laughs> That was so much better. <laughs> and it's like, I knew it was better. And hearing it from her, like, made me feel good, but also made me feel terrible. Yeah, yeah. Like, I knew all my sermons were <clears throat> terrible before that. And I laughed, just so you know, I laughed, not laughing at you, laughing with you, because I have the, I mean, the same feeling of, Oh my goodness, these people who had to hear me preach my first few sermons. Oh. Um, the Lord blessed them with patience and grace. And um, yeah, it was bad. It was, yeah. So, anyway, so uh, now preaching is a great love of mine. I love preaching. And I like what you said just a little bit. Um, like it, it excites you. Yeah. And, and truly, I think. I think what I love is in the preaching, I get to study God's word. I just get to sit in the word of God week in and week out, wrestling with it. And the really Sunday is the overflow of that. Yeah. Sunday is, is kind of the refining. And, and so preaching is hard because as you grow in the knowledge of God's word and you see all these things and these themes that are running through scripture in your text, yeah. 
and you get so excited about him. You're like, man, I just want to blast him with everything, which would take many <laughs> hours and probably bore everyone to death. Uh, so it's, it's really then how do I choose or, or how do I decipher what the main point is of the text and clearly give that point? And that's, that's something that's really uh, something we just keep learning, I think, how to do better and better. So can I, can I throw something at you? Um, yeah. Just so you guys know, we, we write down some questions uh, under a topic and d- outline a little bit of what we're going to talk about, but we don't really... Um, formulate too much. Hey, don't give away our secrets. Uh, well, part, part of it is because... Basically what Bobby says, we plan nothing, <laughs> we know nothing, we sit in a room, we start talking. <laughs> well, th- that's not completely true. Not completely true. Uh, partially, yes. Uh, but I, what is your primary aim? Like, wh- what is your main goal in preaching? Like, if the, philosophically, what is the thing that you're trying to do? Um, I, I think to help people see God in the text and to, to better understand the gospel uh, for, for the pursuit of holiness, that those who know Christ w- would be all the more devoted to him, would love more. I think it's for repentance, for mm-hmm. whether you're a Christian and you're in the church and and the preaching reveals truth that, that cuts to your soul. Um, or if you're even an unbeliever that day, I don't think, I don't think preaching is primarily for unbelievers. I, I just don't think that's where we're going to get to them. But, but even for them, um, for, for really the, the glory of God, that he would be exalted yeah. um, for our joy, really, as we've talked about, and we, we call this podcast Satisfies, that we would be all the more satisfied in Christ so that as we walk out on a Sunday morning, we are, are more full of that joy that we have in Christ, prepared and equipped mm-hmm. to share it also all the more. Yeah. What about you? How would you? Yeah, yeah I, I would, um, what I tell our church body is my aim in preaching is to pull back the curtain that they may see God more clearly, that they may see the glory of, of Jesus and the face of God, um, uh, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ yeah, through his word. So it really is I'm trying to uh, exposit the scripture yet get out of its way uh, so, so they can see all of the beauty, glory, character, nature, goodness of God through his word. Yeah. And, and, and that's what does the work, right? I mean, we, we, I exult in pointing to it, and I just happen. I mean, we're up here on this platform, and literally I turn around and I point, especially about this hour, it's about noon. The sun hits the, the uh, south side of our building, and we have a cross that's, that's up on our platform that's backlit by the sun. Literally, there is... Wait, there's no light back there? No, that's not light. That's, that's, well, that's, li- that's sunlight. sunlight. No way. That's sunlight. So when the sun really hits it, I'm it thinking when you take a picture of that and glows. put that up on the website uh, so yeah. people get to see it's, that. It's beautiful. I and really thought it was backlit that cross right there. No. Uh, and that's the aim. That's the aim of what I say we were trying to do here in preaching is me step out of the way and point to the beauty, the glory, the majesty, the wonder, the grace, the power, the holiness of God. It's good. So yeah. 
Um, you said a word a few minutes ago, exposit. Um, one thing I think you and I would, would strongly advocate for is expositional preaching. Uh, can you just kind of help people understand what that means and, and why we do that? Yeah. Well, I mean, the meaning of the word is in the word. It's to expose, right? We want to expose the text. We want people to uh, not see the paintbrush strokes that we put on it primarily, uh, but see what the text is actually saying. And that's why things, and we'll probably talk about this later, things like context are very important because the text has a context. It has, it meant something to the original readers, hearers, the right. people that Paul was writing to, uh, John, you know, his audience uh, in the gospel. They had a, a certain context, a certain body of knowledge, a certain understanding that he speaks to um, both in history and in culture that this is our job as a pastor, as pastors, right, to, to dig into that history, to dig into what he was saying to them and how they would understand it. Right. So we're trying to expose the message from the apostles, from God through the apostles to the people he's writing. Um, and, and or, that's, or prophets in the Old or, Testament. Or prophets in the Old Testament, whomever, right? Uh, and we want to expose the message that he is giving to them first. And we do that, what we would say expositionally, where we want to take the text and we really primarily work through books of the Bible, and we go verse by verse. Yeah. And we do that so that we, we can't really skip, top, skip text a lot of times yeah. or, or just hang out in certain texts. Yeah. Um, but when we go verse by verse, we got to cover everything. And so it takes us into uncomfortable texts like marriage and divorce, yeah. homosexuality, uh, things that we might say, ooh, I don't really know if I want to talk about that or money. But it's like as we come to the text, we're, we're presented with these things that God talks about, and therefore we bring them, we, we, we have to bring them up because we don't want to avoid the very teaching of God's word, which yeah. is meant for the building up of the church. I was going to say, this comes from a conviction, a biblical conviction that... Uh, the word gives us all that we need for oh man it's sufficient for life and god yeah. it's sufficient and and so we we can't um in fact what does it say in revelation um cursed is the man who adds or subtracts yeah. from this word well and and how arrogant for people to avoid yeah. Yeah. certain texts yeah. like thinking oh my people don't need to hear that but yet God inspired it for yeah. us. Like, it is good. And to think that we better know what our people need than to, to walk through books of the Bible. But there are there is another way. Um, there's also topical preaching, which I think topical preaching has kind of received a bad rap in many ways. Uh, well, we, let's explain, because the topical preaching that you and I are talking about is different well, than some of what... Well, let's say what... what Let's first say what bad topical preaching okay, is, okay. and then let's go into what good topic. Why don't you do it? Which one do I get? Like, <laughs> you take I'll be both, man. You be good cop. I'll be bad cop. All right. right. I always wanted to be bad cop. You're right. bad cop. You know, just so you know, like Bobby's <laughs> anything but a bad cop. He's like this teddy bear of a guy. But good, good. Okay. All right, be the Here bad bad cop. cop. Bad topical preaching. Bad topical preaching takes a topic and it makes a straw man out of that topic. So basically, the preacher is taking whatever his agenda is, whatever he wants to say, and he's pulling other scriptures from all over the Bible out of context to support his thesis. Instead of, instead of going to the Bible and expositing a text, 
So it's, 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 it's I take, if, if for me, bad topical preaching is I take my conviction that I, that I want to press upon people, and I support it, I prop it up with different pieces of Scripture that are ripped out of context that don't, that, that don't give life to yeah. the full body of what the Scripture was saying. And I, it could even be true. Like, I could even be putting forth a true argument in my proposition. But not using proper text but to not, support that. not using the text the proper way. I, right. It's, it, so instead, I'm, I'm taking the Bible to support me. So an example of that might be if, and I'm pulling this from a book, Expositional Preaching by David Helm, he uses in, in, his, in his intro, or I think it's in his first chapter, let, let's say you want to preach on parenting. You come across First Samuel, you got Eli, and he's got two bad sons, Phineas and Hophnius. And so th- these Not are wicked. Ferb. What's that? Not Phineas and Ferb. Phineas and who? Phineas and Ferb. Are you not a Phineas and Ferb guy? Okay. I don't mean, we'll we'll talk. We'll put that on our podcast. Phineas That's, and we'll, Ferb. Yes, it's a cartoon. You need to be familiar with it. Go ahead, Phineas and Hophnius. Go ahead. Sorry, cartoon. I, I just right. I just killed that. I'm no, sorry, I man. So <laughs> so let's say you want to preach on parenting, and you go, oh well, Eli had some bad sons, and so let's look at that text and say what not to do. But yet that has nothing to do about parenting. Yeah. Um, and so what happens is we read our meaning into the text. And, and the problem with that is, like what you said, is we might have good things to say, but we're not using the right text to, to say that. And so there's a message in yeah. 1 Samuel with Eli and Hophnius and Phinehas yeah. that, that needs to be preached. But we're going to distort that if we, don't, if we don't come to the text first and say, well, what is that yeah. bringing forth? And so good topical preaching on the flip side would be, uh, we want to preach, let's say, on the Holy Spirit. And so we, we walk through maybe different passages in the New Testament that bring out truths or themes that we see yeah. um, regarding the Holy Spirit. And the and what, what must happen, though, is, is as we use those passages, we need to make sure we use them within, context, within the context yep. that they were written in. So we can't just say, well, this passage has the word Holy Spirit in it, therefore I preach it, but does it actually communicate a truth about the Holy Spirit that, that, is, that, that is being preached about, or are we reading something in, or are we twisting the yeah. Scripture? And topical preaching can be amazing ways to look at themes that run through books of the Bible or books of the Bible, like Old Testament to New Testament. In fact, topical preaching can sometimes do the best at that. Um, so we're, we're not against uh, topical preaching when it's done well. It can actually be done quite well. Like you might say, I want to preach a series on money, on giving. And what does the Bible say about giving? So you bring up several truths and preach yeah. those through the Word or... So, I, and I would say good topical preaching still picks a primary text. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. Now, we took a little break to do a series, uh, topical, uh, for Advent, right? Cool. We, yeah, we, around the Christmas season. Yeah, we covered uh, love, hope, joy, peace, Christ. We exposed, we, we picked a primary text for each of those things, but we, we majored on a certain topic. A right. certain theme, 
you know, in Advent. So, so it's, and, and we still, being good, hopefully good biblical scholars and good biblical theologians, we're going to pull um, other scripture from other places, right? Because scripture interprets scripture. Right. So that should be a normal part of what we do anyways. It's not that we're, we're so blindsided just, you know, that we're not going to look at other texts. Um, but I would say a good topical sermon re- resembles good biblical theology. Yeah, I think that's a good way to say it. And, and, and so you're looking at the whole overview, right, of, of Scripture. Uh, but I always try to major on one particular text. Is that where you land too? You know, I would agree. And I would just say this, uh, expositional preaching will largely do the same thing. As you're preaching a text, you're going to preach the context in which that text is found. And then you're going to uh, preach how that text is found in the book that it is. And then you're going to preach on how that book is within the New Testament and the Bible as a whole. So expositional preaching will also look at the larger themes. However, it will do so primarily as you're working through a particular book within the Bible, where topical will look at a particular text, but then definitely um, look at the major themes um, as well. And, And the reason that I think we bring this up is it's important when you're going, uh, and you're looking for a church, let's say you move into a new area and you're going, okay, what church do I go to? And of course you want to look at doctrinal statements. Uh, you want to, you know, I would say proximity is something, but when you go in, you want to know what, what are they doing? How are they handling the word? And the way, even the way music is chosen, a lot of other things will give you hints towards that. But preaching is a great way to understand, uh, where the church is. And I think we, I would say this, when you're visiting a church, do not, do not expect perfect, amazing sermons. Uh, well, you know, like now, like we can yeah. jump on podcasts yeah. and I can, I can jump on like 50 guys and listen to like 50 amazing sermons. But you know what? Not, not every guy always preaches a home run every time. Yeah. So when you're going, I mean, you want it to be good. If the guy, the guy is terrible at speaking, I mean, that's, that's maybe something to, to consider. But is the word being brought forth? Is it being handled well? Is the truth of God being brought out? Is God being glorified? And and don't base your decision on one sermon, uh, yeah. but rather rather go spend time there. Get to know the people, the pastor. Hear several sermons. I, I think sometimes with the amount of media we have out today, we think that everyone needs to be a home run hitter. And yeah. in fact, I was up in Bellingham uh, not too long ago, and I preached a sermon. And honestly, as I sat down, I was like, huh, I think I could have preached that better. Uh, I think that my main point was a little broad, and I could have been a little more zeroed in and, and done a better job on that sermon. Yeah. And I think that's where we're at. Sometimes, sometimes they're awesome, and sometimes they're rough. And I think every pastor struggles with that every Sunday. I mean, literally, the moment I sit down, my son looks at me and he gives me a number. And <laughs> he's not judging. Well, maybe he is. He's not judging the sermon. Wait, he's, does he have like 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 Olympic scorecards? You know what he's like, doing? He's, he's like, Bobby, that was a five. <laughs> so so he heard he heard my wife and I talking. 
about how many times I put my hands in my pocket oh, yeah? while I preach. So he literally gives me a number of he counts while you're up preaching. While I'm up preaching, he are you serious? I go sit down and he and he gives me a number and we've told him to stop and to stop and to stop. What goes through your head when you see him start like flashing those gang I, signs I, at you? I know what's I know what's happening. I I block it out, but. Every time we sit down, every time That's we hilarious. finish, we step down, I do think, man, okay, was that clear? Hmm. Was God seen? Did I do that well? Did I do justice to the text? Did I do justice to the glory of God? And the truth of the matter is the answer is always no, right? Like, it doesn't matter how big of a home run we hit, we're never going to meet the grandeur of who God is as we preach the text. We might preach our best sermon, but it's never going to be. And I, mean, I don't know if you feel that way. I yeah, yeah. You kind of you got a, you got a different look on you. Sometimes sometimes you hit a home run and you know it. So I I think we have to be careful with with perfection. Yeah. Will we ever preach the perfect sermon? No. Jesus Christ can only preach the perfect sermon for only he truly is, has the mind of Christ. But I think we need to realize that, that we're called to be perfect, meaning we're to follow Christ. We're called righteous. We're, we're called to live holy lives and we can preach the word of God. We can handle the word of God. Well, Uh, and so I, I guess I, I just, I think what you're bringing forth is that humility of we don't want to be finished with a sermon going, yep, I knocked that one out, Um, as if we are just amazing communicators. Um, But yet I do think we we should confidently sit down, hopefully every week, although there's times that, like I just shared, like there's times I've sat down going, I could have done a better job. Yeah. But I think we should be able to sit down and go, you know, I, I rightly handled the word of God. Now, could things of certain things have been said better or a little differently? Uh, possibly or probably very likely. Yeah. But I think in the study that we had and the way the spirit worked in us, that we can trust that as we preach the word faithfully, that his word is going to go yeah. forth. Um, so I, I think I would just press on we can have great confidence in our yes. preaching. Well, and I would say the great confidence is that the efficaciousness of the word happens by the Holy Spirit. You just like busted out a big word so there. The, how effective the word is on the hearts and minds of those who are in our I knew what presence. it meant. But, you know, <laughs> but thanks for explaining it to yeah, me. Yeah, that, that is dependent upon the spirit. Yeah. And, and it, most of the time for me, when, when I'm not pleased. It's not because I made some theological error. Uh, most, most of the time, I, I do my homework, and I, um, I hopefully expose the text well. It's in the presentation and in the thought flow and in the organization of how clearly I communicated it. Organization, it's, I think, is key. That, yeah, That's the hard part. And, and then to try to do it somewhat creatively, not for the purpose of creativity, just for the purpose of helping them engage in it. Totally. You know? totally. Um, so, um, yeah. So you said a moment ago that you're preaching through John. Uh, what's been your favorite thing preaching through John? I love the book of John. I mean, I, I love where it's going. We're not even there yet. We're not. We're not to my favorite part yet. Yeah. Um, but it, it covers everything. I mean, John. Uh, we we've titled the series "Bearing 
witness. Okay. And, and that's because that was the point and purpose for which John wrote it. I mean, you, you, you hear it throughout. I his, write these his, things that you would believe in Jesus Christ. And that you, yeah. would, you would come into fellowship with us. And, and, and he, the way he writes is, is so simple and yet so profound. Yeah. And, and the things that he chose to include, uh, what I love about what John is doing is he's showing us from story to story to story, from encounter with Jesus to encounter with Jesus to encounter with Jesus, um, a grander biblical storyline. Um, in fact, the, the sermon this last week was the greatest story ever. Hmm. It, it, that, that was the title of it. But, That's awesome. But, but what I was... Well, what was your text? My text was John 5... Uh, 1 through 18. Greatest story ever. John 5, 1 through 18. Go read that later. (laughs) Greatest story ever. No, I I think that's awesome. Well, but here's the thing is, that's just Jesus healing the paralytic. That's awesome. Okay. But it points to something so much bigger. Hmm. It's it's part, it's it's the subplot uh, in the greatest storyline where Jesus heals the paralytic and the Pharisees start getting ticked off because he's doing stuff on the Sabbath. Yeah. So it, it's yeah, moving it's us towards the crucifixion of Jesus. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you're preaching Revelation, which... I'm preaching another one of John's letters. Yeah? Yeah. So uh, what's, what's been your favorite part and what... Yeah, describe that for us. So, so I began 2018 preaching in Daniel, and our goal was to end uh, preaching Revelation. And we're, we're still continuing on. We've we got a few more weeks ahead of us. Revelation's a big book. We're doing it, I think overall we're doing it in about 20, 22, 25 sermons, I think, somewhere roughly around that number. I've loved Revelation. So both books, Daniel Revelation, are all about presenting to us the sovereignty of God, this God who rules over all things. And because of that, we as his people can endure and persevere. I I have loved preaching through Revelation. It's hard. There are some sermons that have just been hard. Trying to, how do I articulate certain truths? But I tell you what, I think as pastors, as people who preach the word regularly, we always have certain sermons that just stand out to us throughout our time and go, man, I love that one. I love that. There are a couple that now stand out in Revelation. I'm just like, man, that'll go down as one of my favorite sermons, at least for a long time. It's just been good seeing seeing the the beauty of God, the rule of God, the futility of idolatry. That's one thing you see a lot, the futility of what this world has to offer. And, and how it looks promising, how it looks strong, how it looks like it'll provide everything you want. It's really, it's really chapter 3 of Genesis blown out to the entire mm. world. Mm. But then you get to see uh, how all of that fails. And, and, and Revelation or Romans 8, where it talks about how nothing will separate us from the love of God, that's Revelation. If you want to expound Romans 8 at the very end, verses 31 to 39, I think of Romans 8, read Revelation where it says, neither angel nor death nor nor principalities nor anything shall be able to separate us from the love of God. That's Revelation. You see that our God is king over all things, a ruler, king of kings, Lord of lords, reigning supreme, providing grace, meeting us where we're at, that we would be able to... uh, continue to walk faithfully. So I've loved, I've loved walking through Revelation. Um, hey, let's talk real quick. What is, what is, it, what is an advantage when, 
when the word of God is preached corporately? Like, why is that good for us as a church? So people come in and we're all sitting under the teaching of Mm -hmm. the word. How does that benefit not just a person, but a people? A community. Yeah, it, it does. And that's a great question. Uh, for one, it gives you gives you all a common language and a common understanding. Hmm. So this is hopefully what's happened here, and I, and I think I've seen seen and heard uh, uh, affirmation that it is is we're growing spiritually. Yeah, and, and and I'm not I'm not just pointing out here now. If I look to the right, and we're I see, in his church right now. For those the, of you who can't see his arms, yes. uh, <laughs> I'm not I'm not just speaking of the church body, the congregation, but of me. Yeah. As well, so we're together, growing spiritually and being formed by the Word of God. We're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. How? Because we're in the Word, hmm. and the Word is is changing us. The Word is calling us to be graceful and merciful and loving and kind to one another. The Word points out our own sin. It points out our own frailties, and from there, it points us to the cross. Like it it has established. Um, uh, I think uh, the groundwork of grace in our in our church body that we understand. In fact, one one of the things that uh, that I think it's been repeated, has been said from the pulpit, and been repeated by people uh, in, our, in our church body is, um, "I hate Pharisees, and I'm one of the biggest Pharisees I know." Hmm. You know, like we we all we all violate our own moral code. Yeah, we all do it, and. It doesn't make it right. I'm not exonerating it. I'm not condoning it. But what I'm saying is, if there's grace for me, if my sin is nailed to the cross, so is the sin by my believers, my, my believing brothers and sisters, that they've committed against me. And so uh, what I think we've seen here is um, both a demonstration and an increasing uh, Love and grace for each other. That's good, yeah. That only comes from the preaching of the word corporately Mm. because we're hearing the same message together. And we know, just as I heard that, you heard that. Just as I've had to submit myself to that, you've had to submit yourself. So there's accountability. Yeah. There's fellowship. There's the growth together. There's the spurring on of one another. No, I think those are great. I think also... I like how you said it gives us common language, too, on, on how to speak about things. I think it also, when we talk about God's word together, um, we get to hold each other accountable and challenge each other and say, hey, this is what God's word says. How do we do that corporately? You know, when it's yeah. sharing the gospel, how do we as a church share the gospel? When we talks about, you know, like the Good Samaritan and, and us being a neighbor and loving one another how do we do that uh, together? So there's challenges that we can do. I also think it creates boundaries, perhaps. It gives us safeguards. Um, now, I don't want to say what the preacher says is always right, because, uh, you know, I, we've said some dumb things before, I'm sure, or maybe even some incorrect things. Hopefully those are to a very minimum. But when we stand in front and we're, we're preaching the word of God, we're helping people understand truths of the Bible and, and the, really the boundaries that God's word set. Maybe it's regarding the Trinity and understanding Jesus and what it is that he's uh, both God and man. Uh, maybe it's understanding grace or, or sovereignty or you know just various things, but it helps us to understand the truths of God's word and where maybe... 
as Pharisees and the Pharisees, the Pharisaical nature of a heart might begin to shine forth. Um, but I think it, it, it makes us aware of heresies, makes us aware of a social gospel type things or prosperity gospel where those things are being preached together. We yeah. can address topics where we can learn and grow in them all at once together. Yeah. And, and hopefully also uh, from the corporate preaching of the word, there's an opportunity to uh, fellowship and converse with one another, you know, in, in the context yeah. of the passage, you know, like what was preached today? What did you think? What are your thoughts on that? How does that affect you? You know, both within the family as you go home, but also amongst your brothers and sisters um, whom you commune with, because this, this is like, <laughs> I think we, 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 we mentioned this, um, in our, one of our previous podcasts, um, this is family. Yeah. Like, this is my family. Like, the, these, I, I love my biological family. I love them dearly. But this is my family. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, have, I have communion and unity with them that I have nowhere else in the, in the world. The, the blood of Christ holds it, us it is so much tighter and closer yeah. than any yeah. physical blood. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and again, I, there's nothing, I, this isn't to speak any ill of my brothers and sisters um, and family who, whom I love. It doesn't, it doesn't decrease my love for them, but this is home. Yeah. This is home for me. When I like what you say that as we grow together, then we come to one another and say, hey, how did, how did you grow, or, or what did the Spirit say to you because, because of the sermon? How, how were you yeah. moved? Um, what, what sins were, were revealed? I mean, that might be a hard one to ask in, like, in like church, right? Hey, man, how, how was your sin revealed because of the sermon? But how were you encouraged because of the sermon? How were you challenged because of the sermon? And, and I think, like, if you're listening to this, that's a conversation we need to have within the church yeah. before we get outside the walls. Now, yeah. great, do it at lunch, too. Do it at home. But... But let's engage people. So often it's like, man, the sermon is over. Hey, where are you going for lunch? Oh, hey, you want to watch the game later? And, and those are all fine topics. Nothing yeah. wrong with those. But if that's what our conversations consist of primarily, yeah. we're missing amazing opportunities to challenge each other, to encourage each other with the word. I, I know uh, after man camp last year, um, you had set out to encourage your church to journal. Yeah. How's, how's that going to that? Did that kind of go, whoop? Yeah, okay, it did. <laughs> so we're going to change the topic so, now. So gonna, well, you know, okay, actually, so what we did, and I would say we took a couple steps in the right direction, and I, I probably dropped the ball. It, it's so hard, though. I mean, I, just from your perspective, I heard when, when you said that, I was like, man, that'd be great. I don't know how I could address this congregation yet and encourage them to do it without feeling like, hey, talk about what I just talked about for the last 45 minutes. You know what I mean? Totally. So uh, what we did, and and no, I'm glad you brought this up. So I probably should be doing this better and and rethinking some of these things. So we we have a space now that's kind of designated in our bulletin for reflections on the sermon, and and there's kind of spots to write. In the beginning, we were, we were saying, like right after the sermon, hey, now take a moment and reflect and, and write down just what the Spirit's done to you in this message. And we took uh, probably several weeks, we'll say a month or two, 
I think that might be quite okay. generous to myself. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it got off radar. And so actually, as you've said that, man, that just kind of hit me. It's like, wow, I haven't mentioned that for a while. But that's something that I want to do. And yeah. I want to make sure we do that. We're providing time right after the sermon to at least somewhat respond because really that's how what that's what we ought to do every time we open up the word what we do on a sunday morning in front of everyone is really what happens in our bible study at home we we study god's word we're Mm -hmm. seeing truths in god's word we Mm -hmm. should be seeking to how do we apply it um and and living out those truths well and just to part of when you when you put that forth as something you were going to do and which you did yeah. Well, you did for six, eight weeks. Um, what, what went through my mind was I don't know how to accommodate that in our church because we have a 75, 85-minute ser- service when I go along, um, and we have children back there, and we do communion afterwards, which means there's things that have to be shortened and cut. And, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's, there is these pressures that we have uh, as we look at our church body and try to gauge you know, how much the gas they have left in the tank you know, uh, until their children erupt or until you know, a fire breaks out down the hall or whatever. Um, so, so it's just, just to... I would just say this. You were brave. <laughs> Maybe? No. I don't no, know. I don't think so. But, you know, but I, I think, you know, on just kind of the side note, like we do an hour and a half yeah. uh, Sunday morning, 10 to 1130. I find that's hard to stay within. Now, I do. I preach for about 50 minutes. Yeah. Uh, now, sometimes they're a little less. Sometimes they're a little more. Uh, some people probably in my church, if they listen to this, will be laughing. like, oh, I always preach as long as that. <laughs> Man, uh, you, for one, you got to preach to what you can. If you can only preach for 30 minutes, you preach for 30 minutes, yeah. and you sit down and be happy that you preach for 30 minutes. Uh, people have different giftings and abilities. Um, uh, so I can do about 50 minutes, uh, pr- pretty normal. But there's also a lot of other good things in a church, yeah. like yeah. like celebrating uh, things that are happening within a church, music within a church, mm-hmm. uh, announcements. Announcements can be great, not just for saying, oh, this is what we're doing, but how does these things and events and whatever yeah. it is facilitate engagement and evangelism yes. and establishment in yeah. the word and equipping. But, uh, but what I'm kind of wrestling around with in my own head, don't tell my church, yeah. is, is what if we go longer? What if we do an hour and 45 and maybe we need to figure out something more with children? What if we did two hours? I know that just sounds weird, but like, like there's so much goodness that we get in and I want us to experience familiness. I I don't know. So those are all just things that wrestle in my head and maybe I just need to go, well, you know what? We just need to preach for 40 minutes and do this other stuff. There's all these things we got to wrestle with. uh, And church timing is hard. Yeah. That's not, it's not a science. Um, well, and, and your people have to be trained. They have to be trained to be able to sit and hear the word for as long as they have. We started out when I came, we started out at 35 minutes. We went out 45. Yeah. So, and that's kind of, and, I, and I, I, there are some Sundays I go to 50. And what that's doing is that's expanding us from an hour and 15 minutes to an hour and a half. So we're just getting there to where we're saying, yes, an hour and a half is, is going to be our service time. Right. Um, and, and that's longer from what they were used to. But as 
as I put my feelers out into the congregation to see how they're doing, I don't get back. Yeah, it was too long. Right. Uh, yeah, we were dying to get out of here, which tells me, good, praise Jesus. Right. Um, speaking of Jesus, Christocentric preaching. Yes. Let's talk about that. That's well, a wanna, good thing. You want to, you want to, uh, here, I teed it up. So when we talk about Jesus in, in preaching, well, for one, uh, what we want to do is show how all texts uh, point towards Christ, to what he has done at the cross, what he has accomplished for us. Now, John Piper was really helpful in this. He wrote a book, Expository Exaltation, which we'll, we'll throw all these up on the website, and we'll talk about books in a moment. Uh, this was really helpful for me. He said, to preach Christ does not mean we preach death and resurrection every single Sunday. Now, when I read that, I was like, what? Like, come on, Piper, do we lose something here? But what he went on to say is, is really what the New Testament does. When you look at the majority of the New Testament, it's looking at the result of the gospel. What has Jesus accomplished at the cross? How are we to live in light of the cross? And so he showed throughout the text or throughout his book that expository preaching is not just preaching life and death as if every single sermon somehow we need to make sure we say now Jesus died on the cross and rose again so that we can be forgiven but but showing how because of the gospel we are transformed because of the gospel we are adopted because yeah. of the gospel we have a new nature because because of Jesus yeah. and what he has done all of this is now possible yeah. and available for us and, and, and working in us. And that was really good. Uh, but what we want to do in a Christ-centered sermon is show how everything moves towards the exaltation of God yes. in Jesus Christ. Uh, so just as Jesus at the end of Luke, uh, he's on the Emmaus Road, he's walking with the guys, and he says, he shows how all of scriptures, and, and he mentions uh, the prophets, and, and what is it, the prophets and the, and the law? All the law and the prophets. All the law and the prophets point to him. Mm-hmm. And so he's showing how he is the culmination of all of the, uh, of all of the Bible, um, ultimately then leading yeah. to the glory of God in him. And so that's, that's what, when you're at a church, when you're listening to sermons, they ought to move you in your love for Jesus. They ought to move you towards Jesus and, and living and better understanding who God is. You know, it's great that you said, and, and I've recently become more aware of this, uh, that preaching Christ in all text doesn't mean you always go to the crucifixion. Um, right. Uh, we, we take communion at our church every Sunday. Hmm. Um, and, I, and I don't think this is wrong, per se. I don't think it's wrong. I just think it, it not, it's not necessary. Um, where communion became my landing every Sunday for my sermon. And I don't think it's wrong. I don't think it's wrong. We should do a whole podcast on communion and but, just yes. the amazingness of it. Yes, absolutely. Ding, um, ding, ding. But but one of one of my um, now associates, you know, who's here, uh, Chris, um, uh, said, "Bob, I, f- I feel like I feel like you've made communion your landing zone, and and you can finish the sermon, and then pray, we take communion, and then take communion." And that's okay. Oh, so you were kind of like preaching and then well, ending on kind of the, the gospel, death, and resurrection, yes. and now we take yes. this meal. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and this is just a learning thing for me. Yeah. It was a learning thing for me. Uh, 
and and I can say that if I've been more able to um, re uh, restate, you know, the the purposes and the and the, the, the themes that the messages are about. Yeah, you know that 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 has come out of the text, and completely comfortable doing that and, and still pointing to Jesus. Right now I'm in John, so that's easy, right? Um, everything's about Jesus. Everything's John. about Jesus because he said it, you know? Yeah. He's, the, he's the protagonist. He's the hero. Uh, but but it still be Christocentric. Yeah. And and part of that, um, the, the Christo part is we see the fullness of who God is in the face of Jesus Christ, right? And that's what we want our people to see. Yeah. We, we, every, every week. Exactly. And and this this centric, how is he center? Well, he he is the epitome, the fullness of who we're called to be and what we're called to look like. That's good. And whom we're called to worship. I mean, uh, Ephesians four, right? Paul says uh, um, his desire is that we all grow into the fullness of the stature, the measure of Christ. That's huge. Yeah. That's huge. We're we're called to behold all of who God is in the face of Jesus, and to be transformed into that same image. And so, in order to be transformed into that image, we have to behold that image. And that's a large part of what that, preaching does what preaching for the is. corporate body, for the bride of Christ. Yeah, yeah, it's that's good. You know, even as you as you were talking right there, it's, it's a little bit of a tangent, but consistent church attendance. Is so important. Oh yeah, yeah. Like if if you're listening and you go to church once a month, or you start rotating through churches, you're missing um, how Christ is central in all texts. And and so if you're just going from one 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 church to another, or you take just weeks off in between, you're you're missing the refinement that takes place, the education that takes place, the joy that takes place uh, as we look at God's word and see in the in the multitude of ways where the Old Testament or New Testament is all finding completion in Christ. Um, it's so important to be part of it, the church. To, to grow regularly together with that church in the understanding of God uh, through Jesus Christ. Um, so on, you want, go on, ahead. on that, I was going to say, look, we understand. I mean, there are folks who give up their time and go and serve in the nursery and other places yeah. where they have to miss service, especially, you know, we only have one service right now. Uh, this is the blessing we have with technology. You know, podcast uh, them out. Podcast them out is great. Um, praise Jesus for that. Uh, and, and I would say if you miss church, if you miss a sermon, um, for, for the sake of your own soul, for the sake of being caught up the next week, for the sake of understanding the progression, because text, the Bible is written in a way that is logical, and God is teaching us something as, as he moves uh, through his apostles, through the text, from one's story to another, to another, to another, from one passage to the next. And if you are missing intermittently different sermons, you're, you're not going to grasp the fullness of what your pastor yeah. is preaching. Uh, you're not going to. Well, you're just like if parts of your, your kid misses a day at school, what do you do? You go get the homework, you get yeah. their things so he can make yeah. that up. Yeah. And I think how much more, if, if we're not able to be in church now... There are things that happen, and there's times you, you're not going to make the podcast or something, but but if you're able to, and, and I think there should at least be 
that desire and effort put forth to listen to it. I mean, yeah. most of all my, so I listen to podcasts while I'm driving. Um, and when I work out, I, I actually, I don't listen to music when I go to the gym or my garage. Now, uh, I, I listen to podcasts and yeah. now some people they're like, Oh, I can't do that. To, I have to have music. Great. So listen to music, but find another time to, but that just works for me. Um, so I, I like doing that. Yeah. We're probably preaching to the choir right now. Because if they're listening to a podcast, they most likely listen. But it, it's still, you know Tell what I'm Tell your friends then. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you instruct is, your friends who don't do this. <laughs> um, okay, hey, so preaching, a lot of times people are thinking, oh, that's just for the preachers. That's for the full-time yeah, guy. Yeah. Now, our goal is always to raise up more and more preachers. Mm -hmm. But one thing I found out that was very false that I was told a long time ago by my pastor was that, you know, there's not a lot of books. You know what the truth is? There there's are a, a ton of books, of books on yeah. preaching. Now, yeah. I would say there's a lot of junky ones, mm -hmm. just as there are on, on any subject, but there are some amazing, yeah. amazing books. And I would say this, you do not need to be a preacher to read preaching books. And I would say preaching books should not be limited to preachers yeah. only. And here's why I would say that. Uh, they teach us how to study the Word of God. Mm -hmm. If you're listening to this and you're saying, man, I really want to grow in my knowledge of God, I want to, uh, I want to better teach my children. Yeah. I want to better lead a small group I'm a part of. Jump into a preaching book. Now, yeah. there are some that are going to be much more technical that might not be as helpful, but in a moment, we'll give just a, a few resources that I think no matter who you are, if you read these, they will greatly enhance your love for the word, enhance your, your teaching and studying of the word. Um, what would you say about just preaching books? So, well, the first one that I'd throw out is the Timothy Keller book. I think we've referenced it before. Preaching, communicating faith in an age of reason, or sorry, an age of skepticism. And the reason why I throw that out is he even says in the, in the introduction of the book, this is not just for preachers. We're all, we are all. Don't you love all, it when Tim Keller copies us? Yeah, he does. I, I, I hope he referenced <laughs> us in that book. <laughs> He, yeah, and, and the way he laid it out was so perfect because he, he stated that the communication of the gospel is not just supposed to happen from the pulpit on Sunday morning. It's supposed to happen in our daily lives. It's supposed to happen with our neighbors uh, at, at the neighborhood barbecue or with the, with the grocery clerk or, or at the bank or um, at, the, at, at our uh, softball events or our children's sports events. Communicating the gospel is something we're all supposed to do. So preaching book's great in helping it's do a, that. Well, and, and here's the thing. is This is phenomenal at it. Uh, part of what he does is he helps us identify, and I think we talked about this before, the things that we have in common. What can we, what truth statement can we make with our non-believing friends that we both agree on? Mm. And then how can we show that that comes from the Judeo-Christian Like what can we affirm? What can we affirm? In culture or... Yeah values that we have, but yep. show how at the very base root of that is, mm -hmm. is really is, Christ. Is, is Christ or a need for Christ. For, okay. I mean, and like the problem of, of pain and suffering, right? Or, or problem of evil, right? Uh, that points to a need. Yeah. It points to a great need. Uh, so that, that's one book. Um, Expository Exaltation, which you mentioned, is, a, is another great book. Yeah, John um, Piper's book, Expository Exaltation, was fabulous in so many ways. He shows yeah. the necessity of preaching. Um, 
one one thing they did really good. I mean, he did so. I mean, there's so many amazing things that I loved in that book, and that book really increased my joy for the Word of God all the more. But one thing he said, which really stood out, was, "Don't preach the text." preach the reality of the text. And so to, to put that in an example, um, preaching through Revelation, uh, coming up, or I just did Revelation 17 and 18. So Revelation 17 and 18 is really about Babylon, um, the harlot, and, and her judgment and demise that's going to come about. So I'm not supposed to just say, well, there's this Babylon and looks like she's going to be judged and tossed down into water like a giant millstone. Rather, the point of the text is that Babylon is, is representing all of this idolatrous culture that surrounds us and it shows us the futility of it. So preaching that text is meaning to show the futility yeah. of idolatry going into chapter 19 where we're going to see the beast is destroyed and the false prophet is destroyed and Jesus comes riding in on a white horse. It's not just, well, we need to know in a chronological era that at some point in the future, Jesus will return and defeat people. But what do we see? We see the rule of our God. We see that he's yeah. faithful and true. As all the Old Testament kings, no matter how good they were, they were never 100% faithful and true. But now comes Jesus, the faithful and true, yeah. the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the one we've been looking for ever since Genesis 3, when yep. the seed of the seed of the woman will crush yep. the head of the yeah. serpent. So what we want to do is, is show the truth and the reality of that text, not... Yeah. Well, there's a person on a white horse coming, like just, just the words themselves, but what are these words pointing us towards? Yeah. What is the reality? And that was so helpful for me. Um, it's really helpful when outlining a text. Like my outline is not just headings of the text, but what are the truths in the text? Mm -hmm. So if you're working through an outline, like you're preparing a Bible study, and you're sitting there, okay, how do I teach John 4, John 5, John 6? It's not Jesus shows up, teaches, Pharisees now show up and teach, but what is the truth that Jesus teaches? Yeah. What, is, what is it that the Pharisees are attacking? And, and what, what do we see there that's common in the world because of sin? Uh, what idol is that? You know, so we're, we're looking at what is the truth that's coming out of these texts, and how does that change us and, and make us more like Jesus? That, that was money for me in that book. Yeah. Sorry, I, I got to like... That's great. No, that's great. And I haven't finished that book yet. Uh, Didn't so, I like refer you that book like did, months ago? Think, yes, and I have it. Um, the the Piper preaching book that I have read is the supremacy of God in preaching. Mm, that was good, and that was phenomenal too. Uh, that Piper, he just writes a lot of good stuff. He does. He does. Uh, Brian Chapel has a really good uh, book on preaching. Um, I think it's Christocentric. Uh, he also has a small green book. Oh, man, I'll, it'll be on the resourcing. It's something grace. Fabulous book by Chapel, okay. and he actually walks through on how to teach the Word of God, mm -hmm. on, on how to develop like main points. It's so good, like like you definitely do not need to be a preacher. You just that's meant for every Christian. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I forgot about that one by Brian Chapel. He's he's excellent. Um, two others that I use. Um, one, if you are a preacher, you're looking for like a how-to book. Alec Mottier's book. Uh, Preaching simply, simple teaching on simply preaching, uh, just good nuggets. I mean, 
it really, if you're just a teacher, if you're doing small groups or anything, just a lot of good nuggets in there. Uh, the other one that I've used that is incredibly simple and is amazing if you're studying the Bible, if you're leading a small group, if you want to grow in your understanding of just how to better present God's word, expositional preaching by David Helm. When we preach, yeah. I, I teach a preaching class at my church. I use that book as the, the book to do that. The money of that book are the examples he gives in the text. So, so that's a small book. That's a nine marks book, right? Yeah. It's, is, is that instructive? I mean, because it, I, I, I've read through for a few chapters of it. I have it. It's sitting on my desk. Um, I'm looking to do something similar with some guys that, that I want to begin speaking more. Is it thorough enough to be instructive that after someone reads this, they'll have a good outline and a means by which to come up and create an expository sermon. I, I would say it needs a little help um, if someone's actually going to preach. Um, I, I would give a few other things. I would talk about illustrations more. I would talk about intros and conclusions, uh, things like that. But uh, on the basis, what it does, and, and it goes through a diagram, it starts with the text. And it shows first thing we do is do our exegesis, meaning what did it mean to the original hearers? Yeah. And then it takes it and it shows us how do we go from the text to Christ? Like, how is Christ the fulfillment of this? Yeah. And then from Christ, now that we see the meaning of the text and how Christ is the ultimate goal and fulfillment, um, it then brings it, how is that applicable to us? Great. So it does that really well. It shows boundaries or it shows problems that occur when we when we skip steps. Uh, I think it could use a little help if you're teaching someone on actually how to preach, but if you're just doing just regular study in the Bible, or if you're just doing a regular uh, Bible study, uh, I, I think that would be extremely helpful. That'd be like a number one book to give to, because it's so simple and so short. I, there's another book that I'm, I'm looking up right now, Expository Listening. And that might be... What? Uh, yeah. Is that um, by like Christopher Ash? Uh, there's a few different people. That he wrote a, a book, book about how to listen to a sermon. There's a few different people here. I'm seeing Tim Challies is one. Challies, yeah, maybe uh, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, so, so there's so expository, expository listening. Have listening. you read that? I I have it, um, and I've heard good things about Wait, it. You're not advocating a book you haven't read, have you? I, I might be only only <sighs> because I'm, I'm thinking of the people who who we who might be listening now. Like if there are people for whom they are looking for a church, um, knowing how to listen for an expository sermon, knowing yeah. what that sounds like might might be of help. No, and I and I want to say Christopher Ash wrote a book something about that also, which was super incredibly short, and it's all about how does a congregation listen to a sermon, which I think. Is incredible, and as I say all this, I realize I never read the book either. Although it's on my, it's on my bookshelf, <laughs> but you know that, that's going to be. A, I'll pick up that book and read it in the next uh, week or so. But I think that's a very instructive thing. Like we put so much effort into preaching, but if preaching is so essential, then shouldn't the people put much effort into how to listen? Um, and I think that that's a responsibility of us as pastors to provide those resources. Yeah. Um, but so the whole point of bringing up those books was, was if you're preaching, those are great, but also there are amazing books for, as we engage in the word of God and please don't ever look at a preaching book and think, well, I'm not a preacher. 
they can be used incredibly to expound your own love for the Word of God. So we're probably past time, but there's probably one more question we need to answer. What isn't preaching? Like if I, if I were to go into a, a church... Man, it's like a can of worms, and dude. ...and sit down and listen to a man come up and talk, what, how would I know if it is not preaching? Uh, one way does he use the word. Um, I found that you can watch a lot of people and they will say how much they love the Bible. The Bible is actually in their hand the whole time closed and they wave it in the air as if swatting flies. And they're just waving it and saying, this word, you need to know this word. This is the word. And they just give you kind of truisms a lot, but nothing is based in the word. And, and one of the, the, the key things about preaching is that when you and I, or, or any uh, real expositor of the word, it doesn't matter what you say or I say. That's right. It yeah. only matters what God's word says. Yeah. And my goal, my job as a pastor is to show the church yeah. the truth of God's word. If all I do is yell, wave, dance, whatever, Five. or even say true things, yeah. but I can't show them where that truth is in the word, they're not being equipped. They're not being encouraged. They're not being trained on how to read the Bible. Um, yeah. th- that would at least be where I would start. Yeah, and I would add, you know, if you go to a church service and you hear five points of how to be a better person or three ways to grow your business or, you know, four ways to even, even something as good as lead your family better. If if that is the primary aim, if the, if the aim of the preacher is to give you nuggets to go into live your best life now or live better now, and it isn't pointing you to the beauty, the glory, the majesty, the wonder of Christ, you're not listening to preaching. So it's a, it's a self-help, it's a self-help series. And, and not to say that some of those things can't be instructive either, but that's not the place of Sunday morning service. So I would say, I have to be careful here. Okay. Because you know me, I, I get in trouble a lot. Those six-step sermons, that's being wise in the world. Yeah. That's presenting a very palatable message to the world. And, and Paul says... 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the word of cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to yeah. us who are being saved, it is the power of God. In fact, later in 1 Corinthians 2, Paul says, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weaknesses and fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And that does not mean Paul was not a persuasive, strong preacher. He was. He knew the word of God well, but he was not using tactics and techniques and steps as a means of dressing up the gospel, as a means of making sure when you come out, you have six ways to live a better life. Because frankly, I can give you six steps and well, that's not helpful at all. People can listen to six step sermons all day and go to hell. It doesn't change your heart. It doesn't. What changes your heart is, I think what you say so often, it's beholding God. And if I can't show you the word, God in the word of God, I have no business being up on a stage or or teaching God's word at all. I'm going to make, I have two, I don't know if they're assertions, um, 
let me just say this. We, I mean, this isn't really a pulpit. This is just, we're sitting in front of the pulpit uh, here at Hope Fellowship, and all it is is a very unornate stand, oversized music stand, basically. But but I, I use it because I want people to know that I'm not the authority. That yeah. I, I, I put a Bible there. And the Bible is the authority, not me. It's not, it's not the man standing behind the pulpit. I'm not the authority. Uh, the Word of God is. And we pray, I pray every Sunday, um, God, guard my lips. Guard my lips so that nothing comes out that's false. Nothing comes out. In fact, guard the ears and the hearts of those who are here. That if I say something and they perceive it and it's untrue, Lord, protect their ears. Protect protect their ears from any anything false, anything untrue of you that I would say. But Lord, if, if what is being preached, if what is being spoken is true, if it's of your word, if it's by your spirit, may it pierce the heart and give life to the soul, right? And that, that is, that's our desire for preaching. That's what we want, but it's only God's word that can do it. It's not man's wisdom. That's good. Why don't yeah. you, uh, you want to close in prayer on yeah. that? Yeah, let's pray. Lord Jesus, that is our prayer. Our prayer is that your word would be preached powerfully, Lord, um, in our church at Hope, uh, at Timberline Baptist, and Lacey, uh, Lord, in all the churches that are in our areas, Lord, we're, we don't want to compete with other churches. Our desire is that your glory would fill your church body, that every church around us would be passionate about the preaching of your word and your gospel, Lord, that they would preach God-centered gospels, Lord, that proclaim and display the glory of your son, Jesus. So, Lord, we, we ask um, that, that you would do your work and, and that you would use us. We, we want to be tools. We, we want to be your servants. Lord, in, 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 in the spreading of your glory throughout the nations. So not just in Oregon, not just in Washington, uh, but, Lord, in the United States, in Canada, in Mexico, in Southern America, uh, Lord, in Africa, in Iraq, in Afghanistan, in China, in Russia, Lord, in all the far-to-reach places uh, where your gospel has not yet gone. We want to be the kind of people who raises up and sends out and goes because your glory is that good. So, Lord, work in us, we pray. Work your word in our heart. Shine through us. Shine through the preaching of your word in the pulpits of our church. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Satisfied in Christ. You can go to our website, satisfiedinchrist.life. I encourage you to go there, uh, check out resources. Uh, all the resources that are mentioned in this podcast will be listed there. Also, if you have a question about anything that we talked about, we would love to answer that or possibly even discuss that on the podcast. So please send forth your questions. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Satisfiedinchrist.life.